This is Couch and Coffee Table. I'm Michael Perry. Today, we're going to conclude our Power Records Batman Week here on the couch. Our first one up is also the last one with both Batman and Robin in it. Here's Batman from Power Records with the story called Robin Meets Man Bat. Gotham First National Bank, and the clicking noises you hear are the tumblers of a lock magnified many times by intricate amplification equipment. That's a boy, Mitch. You're doing fine. We're almost home. The lock belongs to First National's maximum security walk-in vault, but to three highly specialized bank robbers, no security seems to be maximum enough. Hey, that does it. She's ready to open. All the other alarms have been shut off. Help me pull the door. All that money! A Federal Reserve deposit of millions! Waiting for us just on the other side of that door! Jeez, Mitch, this thing is two feet thick! Okay, I'm helping, I'm helping! Almost. Just a little more. Good evening, gentlemen. We're glad you could drop by. Batman! Don't you fellas know it's polite to not first? They've been waiting inside! No, it isn't fair! What did they know? Every crook makes at least one mistake, Trench, and your gang is no exception. Your mistake was falling for the phony news item Batman planted about a huge Federal Reserve deposit in this branch. Hey, what are we running here, a debate? Let's plug them! You're on top of that already! Robin and I prefer a fight without guns, and we expect the same from you. Batman, look out! The third one has another gun? Not a gun, boy wonder. Something far more useful. A bank robber flips a switch on the strange circuit-studded gadget in his hand, and at once the air is filled with a piercing ear-splitting sound. Ah! My ears! Oh, me too, Robin. I can't even think straight. That's the whole idea behind our sonic disruptor, Batman. A few more seconds of this, and you and a punk will be on the floor in agony. <laughs> While we stand back and enjoy the show, thanks to the special high-frequency earplugs the three of us are wearing. Oh, covering my ears as tight as I can. It doesn't help. Hold on as long as you can, Robin. Fight it. Yet not even the dynamic duo can withstand the terrible onslaught of sound for long. And as they drop to their knees... <laughs> Seeing this was worth getting beat up for. <laughs> From every direction, the nightmarish, screeching sound seems to surround them until the bank robbers look up to see a frightening form circling above their heads. A creature the size of a man with the unmistakable ears and leathery wings of a bat. What is it? It's the most horrible thing I've ever seen. Sonic disrupted doesn't even phase it. I'm getting out of here. Me too. Wait for me. In the frenzied confusion, the sonic disruptor falls, and its ear-splitting drone ceases at once, as the cowled crusader and the boy wonder look up to see... Batman! That... thing! 
It's going after the bank robbers. I know, Robert. Hey, hey, put me down. Oh, it's got me in its claws. Look out. He's dropping you on top of him. Do you believe this? It slammed two of them together. Now it's pulling the third crook into the air. Help. And knocking him senseless into the side of the wall. What a show. The creature's flying away, Batman. Let's go after it. No, Robin. The least we can do in gratitude for its help is to leave Man-Bat in peace. Man-Bat? You know this guy? Monster, whatever he is? Yes, and I know he must be in great pain right now. That's why he flew off. I don't understand. Like a true bat, Man-Bat's hearing is ultra-sensitive to even the minutest sounds. If you think that sonic disruptor was rough on us, I'd hate to imagine how it must have felt to him. He must be a very brave man. Uh, he is a man, isn't he? Robin, I think it's time you heard the full story of my friend Kirk Langstrom. Kirk Langstrom, the eminent nocturnal mammal expert, had long been a fan of mine and a supporter for everything the name Batman stood for. Well, it was several years ago that hundreds of hours of hard work finally brought him on the verge of an incredible discovery in the confines of his lab under the Gotham Museum. That does it, my leathery winged friend. I've taken the final dose of my serum. Now we wait, you and I. The friend Langstrom spoke to was a live bat, and the serum was a specially prepared gland extract he had derived from the creature for human consumption. He later told me he came up with the serum as a gift for me, but being the thorough scientist he was, tested the serum on himself first. And at first the results seemed impressive. That infernal noise is unbearable. What in heaven's name can be causing so much racket? Langstrom was both startled and tremendously excited when he traced the noise to its source, astonished to discover it was nothing more than... Uh, a dripping faucet. But to me, it sounded like splashing tidal waves. My hearing has become incredibly sensitive. The first bat characteristic that proves my serum is working. And then the next sign became painfully apparent when Langstrom rushed to his desk to jot down some notes. I can't stand the light of that desk lamp. I've got to put on my sunglasses. They're in my jacket. Once he found the dark lenses, he put them on and switched off the light, only to get a third surprise. I'm navigating in utter darkness without bumping into a thing. My vocal cords are emitting ultrasonic signals, and my super-sensitive hearing picks them up when they bounce back. I've done the impossible. I now possess the natural radar of a bat. Yes, Langstrom had achieved the impossible, all right, far more so than even his wildest imaginings, because when he happened to look down at his hands... Oh, my God! My hands! They're growing hairy, with claws, like a bat! I... I don't understand. Can this be a side effect of the gland extract? I'll put on some gloves. It's only temporary. It has to be. But while preparing to go out, he encountered still another ominous sign. My hat! What pushed it off my head? By now, Langstrom already knew the worst. But he had to run to a mirror to see the horrible, ghastly truth for himself. <gasps> I have giant ears, red eyes, fur instead of skin. This can't be happening. But it is. I've become a... a man bat. <laughs> Once the initial shock of his nightmarish fate had worn off, Langstrom remained at his museum lab late into the night, 
trying to discover where his serum had gone wrong. Until his work was interrupted by a ruckus in the jewelry exhibit upstairs in the museum. It was the blackout gang at work, a group that wore special equipment to enable them to operate in the dark. But that night they were encountering opposition, namely me. It's Batman! We've got the advantage! We can see him, but he can't see us! Jump him! I was badly outnumbered, but with that many rats in my back, anywhere I punched, my fist connected. I was holding my own well enough when all of a sudden... I see it too, but I wish I didn't. This freak is even worse than Batman. Yes, Robin, that night I had a new ally, as Batman and Man-Bat fought side by side to mop up the rest of the gang. You all right, Batman? Sure, friend. Thanks to you. There's so much I need to know about you. No! It's all gone wrong! I want no part of you or anyone else! Don't go! Come back! Let me try to help you! He flew off into the night, and it wasn't until months later that I learned that he was really Kirk Langstrom, and that his once noble mind had become dangerously unstable as a result of the serum. That's some story, Batman. Did it ever have a happy ending? Finally, after several months, I was able to catch up with him and administer the chemical antidote that turned Langstrom back to his human form. Everyone had high hopes for his recovery, especially when Langstrom decided to marry his fiancée, Francine, soon after that. And then what happened? They married, but by that time, Langstrom had relapsed into man-bat again. And he persuaded poor Francine to take the gland extract so that she, too, became a bat. It was his way of getting her to prove her love for him. Man, those two have been through a lot. And I thought the worst was behind them until tonight. Poor Langstrom must have suffered another. You took my man bat away. As for that, you must die. Look out. Langstrom's back, but he's not making sense. Wait a minute, Robin. I think I understand. This isn't Langstrom! Good grief. The thing has swooped up Batman. Creature of the night and the caped crime fighter locked themselves in furious and frenzied combat over Robin's head. I've got to do something. I know. My utility belt. Quickly, the teen wonder extracts a certain capsule and hurls it upward into the fray, where it breaks open in the face of Batman's monstrous opponent. Good thinking, Robin. That sneezing powder ought to give me the advantage I need. But just as Batman wrenches himself loose from the suffering creature, still another inhuman sound tears through the air. And as Batman agilely lands on the floor... Oh, my gosh. Now there are two of them. The man-bats are fighting. No, they're not. The second one is trying to calm down the first. And he needs help. The masked manhunter extracts a bat rope and a batarang from his utility belt. And with skills and reflexes honed to absolute perfection, he flings the batarang upward. Right on, Batman. Your bat line is wrapping itself around both of them, binding them together. Now they can't use their wings. And without their wings... Man-bats don't fly. But when the dynamic duo runs up to the grounded inhuman pair... Look, Batman. The bigger one's got something in his hand. They're... They're two hypodermic needles. Now I know what to do. And Batman does it, wasting no time and injecting each creature with one of the hypodermics. Oh, they're changing. Losing their wings. Becoming human again. Becoming a man and a woman. 
Oh, Kirk, I'm so sorry. I lost control of myself. To think I would try and kill Batman. It's okay, honey. It was the serum warping your mind. You didn't know. What happened, Kirk? It's all a misunderstanding, Batman. I was long overdue from an expedition in South America, and poor Francine was worrying about me here at home. Yesterday I was rummaging through Kirk's lab, very depressed, and I was so despondent I mistook the bat extract serum for my own drink. The next thing I knew, I was a bat. Once the serum affected her mind, Francine became wildly insane. And when I finally got home this morning, I found frantic scrawls drawn all over the walls, blaming you, Batman, for my disappearance. I get it. So you took a dose of the serum yourself, figuring the only way to stop a man-bat is with another man-bat. That's right. But when I finally located you two a few hours ago, you were up against that terrible sonic disruptor. So I gave you a helping hand with those bank robbers. I'll say you did. That must have been murder on your bad ears. And while Kirk took some time to recover, Francine caught up with us and attacked. Batman, can you ever forgive me? I already have, Francine. Well, I may never forgive you, Batman. Not unless you get around to introducing me to your friends. <clears throat> uh, sorry, Robin. Uh, Kirk, uh, Francine, I'd like you to meet my protege and junior partner. Our second story is another one with the Catwoman. By the way, the stories for the rest of this podcast feature Batman going it alone. This story is called The Catwoman's Revenge. As Gotham City approaches the witching hour, only the night people are left to roam barely lit streets and rooftops. The idle poor huddled on stoops and benches, and the idle rich reveling in continual celebration. The night-crawling vermin of the underworld, and the avenging angel who is their foe, the Batman. Across the street, swinging from the peak of the Governor's Plaza building, there's only one person daring enough to do that 500 feet over the city. And I'll bet my cape she's up to no good. With unerring aim and the uncanny courage of a hero, the Cape Crusader flings his bat rope to the top of a lamppost and follows it there. Then to a sixth floor ledge and a tenth floor flagpole. Higher, higher, until he is close enough to see... Catwoman, swing through that window and the next time you touch ground, it'll be in a cell. My darling Batman, what a wonderful surprise to find you here. I don't suppose I could interest you in half the take from the cat's eye jewels on display on the 53rd floor? No chance. You'll need an explosive to blow through the steel-reinforced windows to that floor, and that will take time you don't have anymore. You have such a way with logic, dear Batman, so you realize, of course, that I have every opportunity to escape through the window of another floor! I stalled almost long enough to grab her. But now that she's made a move, I've got to stay close. Through the broken window and down unlit corridors of the skyscraper, Gotham's guardian follows the barely audible footsteps of the Catwoman. 
until another sound drowns the padding of his quarry. I nearly forgot about that cocktail party. It's a benefit affair for solar energy research, and Bruce Wayne declined an invitation. Let's see, stairway doors are locked, no elevator is moved, no broken windows. Catwoman must be crashing the party in her civilian identity, and she knows it would be dangerous for me to arrest her among bystanders. I'll have to smoke her out. Seconds later, an unexpected distinguished guest joins the celebration. Sir, may I please see your Don't be a boor, Albert, and let the gentleman in. It's an honor to have Bruce Wayne with our cause. I was so afraid you wouldn't come. I was in the area and thought I'd swing by. Tell me, Mrs. Habersham, who's that young lady over there? You certainly aren't one to waste time, just like your late father, before he met your mother, of course. She's some starlet or ambassador's daughter, some such young and beautiful and claws, always ready to hook on to a wealthy bachelor. Good luck, Bruce. That's Selina Kyle, the catwoman without her costume. I know her, but she doesn't know me. So then Daddy told the Prime Minister, Winston, if he would insist on drawing to a full house... You look awfully familiar, miss. Uh, Have you been to Tahiti in the past year or so? No, not Tahiti. Maybe Curacao or St. Thomas. No matter. You see, there was a girl in Tahiti with eyes as remarkable as yours. And I thought there was only one set of eyes like that on the planet, maybe the universe. I was wrong. My name is... Bruce Wayne. You're one of the pillars of society in Gotham. Surely I can be expected to know you. You can call me Venus for the moment. Yes, Venus. Maybe if we went somewhere quieter, you'd decide you like me enough to tell me your real name. Oh, what was that? you stick your finger on my ring? There's a little pinpoint in the setting here, but you don't mind that, do you? No. No. Don't mind. And now you'll come with me, won't you, Brucie? Come with you, whatever you say. Of course you will, because the ring held an ounce of hypnotic fluid, like catnip, and now it's been injected into your bloodstream. You'll follow me anywhere now, Brucie. Whatever you say. Yes, Bruce Wayne, I've got plans for you. Later that night, as a pair of guards punch their time clock at Spiffany's jewelry store... Hey, Freddy, you hear a noise? Uh, Like a radiator leak or something? I don't hear any. Wait a minute. I I do hear something. I'm over by the ventilation duct. It's, it's, uh... Freddy, hey, what's wrong with... Oh, no. Gas. Coming from the ventilator. Gotta get out of... Out of... Your new costume is just like mine, Brucie. From now on, you'll be called Catman. Catman. The guards never saw what hit them. Now let's see how a pillar of society does a tough job. You'll do everything I say. Everything. Any pressure on the floor between us and the gem display will cause an alarm to wake the dead. What we've got to do is hook a rope between us and the far wall and climb across to... Bruce? Catman, what are you doing with that rope? Hook rope between here and far wall. You lassoed the light fixture like an expert. 
climb across it. And you're walking it as if you were born into a circus family. Seems I've underestimated you society playboys. Lead on, Catman. The next day in the Catwoman's lair... And this morning at Spiffany's jewelry store, the famed Felicia gem collection was stolen from its burglar-proof case. Authorities believe it to be the work of the Catwoman. Along with her new associate. For now, you'll be locked in my cage, Bruce, and you'll like it. Like it? Oh, scrape my hand on the sharp edge of this cage. Pain. I've already been accessory to one crime, and Catwoman's planning another one. But the pain gives me an idea. By the time I give you the drug to counteract my hypnotic catnip, you'll be up to your whiskers in crime. You'll have no choice but to stay with me. Haven't been able to fight the drug, but maybe if I keep banging my hand on the sharp edge, the pain will help me beat it. Let's go, Brucie, into your costume. The Museum of Natural History is waiting for us. This is a real two-cat job, so take this walkie-talkie. Catman, did you hurt that hand? Hurt hand. Pain. You'll live. Meanwhile, it'll be your job to turn off the rooftop alarm while I stand watch. Then we'll scramble inside and grab the priceless bone fragments from the oldest saber-toothed tiger ever found. The city will pay a mint in ransom. Minutes later, at the Great Museum... That's it, Catman. Up that rope. You climb like you were born in the jungle. Keep in touch, fella. She told me to climb, so I climb. But the rope is burning my hands. Pain. Snap out of it. If I feel enough pain, I'll beat it. Catwoman to Catman, I see you've reached the roof. Can you see the alarm mechanism? Alarm mechanism, yes. Powered by storage battery. Fine, Catman. Disconnect the battery's cathode the way I showed you and... Catman, what's wrong? Got hit from behind. It's Batman. Batman, try to hold him off. Hold him off. Catwoman, this is the Batman. I don't know who your tough friend is, but the treatment he's getting should go to you. Catman, I'll be right up to help you. Hold on. Nothing. I'm getting out of here. You're going nowhere, Catwoman. Except to that cell I promised you when we met on top of the Governor's Plaza building. You win, Batman. But not completely. Not completely, eh? It looks as though Gotham's finest are alert tonight, too. You won't think me ungentlemanly if I don't escort you downtown myself? You won't be so smug when you take the mask off, Catman, and see who's been in on my robberies. Catman, I have no idea what you're talking about. The man you caught on the roof of the museum. The one you took that walkie-talkie away from. He's tied on the roof. His name is... Batman, is this the lady behind the crime wave around town this week? This young lady is the crime wave officer. And quite a young lady she is, too. I was going to frame Wayne, but good. Gotham society would never have recovered. I'll get even with you, Batman. I doubt it, Catwoman. But I'm looking forward to the next time you try. Booker, officer. Our third story has Batman going up against super genius Gorilla Grodd in a story called Gorilla City. 
You're listening to Couch and Coffee Table. Leak ebony aircraft wings its way eastward over the waters of the Atlantic. The pilot is the world's greatest detective. The craft is the bat plane, and the destination is the heart of darkest Africa. Batman here, recording entry number 21A from my mission logbook. I'm currently cruising at 1,243 miles per hour at an altitude of 57,000 feet. My estimated time of arrival over Africa's Kabanzi jungle will be approximately 25 minutes from now. As for the purpose of this flight to the largely unexplored Kabanzi Highlands, it all began only a few days ago, when Commissioner Gordon asked a favor of me in his office. John and Mary Tate, aren't they the man and wife team who won a Nobel Prize last year for their experiments with suspended animation? The same, Batman. And the fact that they'll be visiting Cotham City has been splashed all over the media. That's why I'd be grateful if you acted as the Tate's bodyguard while they're here. You're worried about possible action from enemy agents? Let's just say there are several unfriendly foreign powers who would have no qualms about kidnapping the Tates to obtain their vital scientific research. I'd feel a lot better if I knew you'd never be far from their side. Consider it done, Commissioner. Gordon was a cautious man, and he was right. Every major power on Earth has been trying to crack the secret of suspended animation for years, and the Tates' award-winning work in time suspension biology seemed to put them closer to perfecting the process than anyone else. All these thoughts ran through my mind as I met the famous couple that afternoon at Gotham Airport. That man, this is indeed an honor. No one told Mary and me to expect such an esteemed figure to offer himself as our guide to Gotham City. John and I have been in awe of you for years, that man. That is one feeling, Mrs. Tate, I assure you, is mutual. I consider it a privilege to be of service. I arranged to have the best suite at the Gotham Hilton awaiting the Tates, and I made sure I was in the next room. After a busy night of dinners and functions, the Tates retired to their suite for a well-earned night's sleep. I, on the other hand, remained on guard in my room next door, using transcendental meditation to ease my mind into a relaxed level of consciousness. Relaxed, but ever alert. Much of the night drifted by peacefully, and then I heard it. My TM trance was suddenly interrupted by the sound of a breaking window. The split second I rushed into their suite, I was attacked by what I never had a chance to see. It was so dark. I struggled furiously, but it was already too late. My mystery attacker had me from behind, and the crushing grip of a bear hug not even a grizzly could have matched. Within scant seconds, the vice-like grip had the best of me. I passed out. The next day, I couldn't turn on a TV or radio or even pick up a paper without hearing the same story. And we here at WKGC can't help wondering if Batman's failure to rescue John and Mary Tate last night is a sign that it may finally be time for the cowled crusader to hang up his cowl. After all, the famous Nobel Prize winning team is now missing and many people hold Batman responsible. 
But I was too busy to indulge bad publicity as my faithful butler, Alfred, helped me conduct a series of exhaustive scientific tests in the crime lab of the Batcave. I think we have it, sir. I believe this last battery of tests has narrowed down the classification of the pollen traces you scraped from your uniform after your skirmish last night. You're right, Albert. I'm cross-checking the geographic tables now. Ah, here we are. The pollen is Retulus parina, and it is only distributed by plants in the Kabanzi jungle in Africa. That means whoever kidnapped the Tates last night came from that jungle. Mm, most intriguing. I'll fuel the backpack for takeoff, sir. Sir? Yes, Alfred? About those unexplained traces of fur you found in the Tate suite, have you reached any conclusions? None, Alfred. At least none that makes any kind of sense yet. Moments later, I was winging my way eastward, leaving the Batcave and Gotham City behind, with one slim clue to go on and no idea what lay waiting for me in Africa. And speaking of Africa, I see the Kabanzi jungle is coming up directly ahead. It's time for me to wrap up this report. But before the caped crusader can end his log entry and switch off the tape... Finally, the smoldering and crippled Batplane comes to rest, leaving a torn and tattered figure slumped in the cockpit, a cowled figure that does not move or utter a sound. For many hours, the scene remains unchanged as life in the jungle proceeds in primitive ignorance of the damaged aircraft and its unmoving passenger. And then, as sunset filters through the tropical trees... A pair of rescuers appears, gently removing the limp, unconscious crime fighter from the shattered cockpit. Did he sustain any permanent damage, do you think? Yeah, I would say negative. A mild concussion, several bruises and lacerations. His injuries do not seem to extend beyond that. Once we get him into the city, our healing facility should completely restore his health. Right. To the city, then. The two rescuers lumber away, effortlessly carrying the 180-pound Batman between them. Effortlessly, because these rescuers are both gorillas. Hours pass. The Cape Crusader groggily moans and stirs. But it is not tropical vegetation and African wilds he opens his eyes to see. Instead, it is the antiseptic confines of an incredibly well-equipped, highly advanced laboratory. Where... Where am I? Have you ever heard of Gorilla City, Batman? You're a prisoner here now, just like John and me. Great Scott! John and Mary Tate! Imagine a super-advanced city in the heart of darkest Africa, built and inhabited by apes, far more intelligent than man himself. A city that is even invisible to the human eye, surrounded by a special force field only its gorilla inhabitants can see. John and I had heard the legends like everyone else, but we never dreamed they were all true. Batman always knew they were true, didn't you, Batman? All eyes turn toward the source of that chilling, compelling voice of pure evil. The voice of Grodd, the most powerful and formidable of all the apes. Grodd, the super gorilla. 
Tell them, Batman. Tell the Tates how cleverly you worked your way in here. Why don't you explain it, Grodd? And I shall. A Batman, you see, no doubt used that renowned detective skill of his to pinpoint some clue my guerrilla agent must have left behind at the scene of your abduction, Mr. and Mrs. Tate. A clue that he could trace here to the Kabanzi jungle. Being as unusually well-informed as he is, Batman knew Gorilla City was purported to be in Kabanzi, although no human being had ever seen it. So what did Batman do? He deliberately crashed his plane and knocked himself out, figuring he'd be brought into Gorilla City as a prisoner. Batman, we appreciate all the trouble you went to. You must understand, the experiments we've been conducting here are against our will. Grodd has also kidnapped our daughter and has threatened her safety if we don't do exactly as he says. That sounds like your style, Grodd. Just what is it about the Tate suspended animation work you find so fascinating? You're about to find out for yourself, Batman. Even before he can make a move to defend himself, Batman is seized by two guerrilla guards and placed inside a plexiglass booth hooked up to an ominous pulsating machine. A machine monitored by John and Mary Tate. You see this little gadget I hold in my hand, Batman? It's the remote control device that regulates the rather large apparatus next to you. The Tates call it a biological break. What it does is slow down a person's metabolism and body functions to an absolute minimum to prepare him for suspended animation. It would even work on gorillas if the setting were correct. But today, you are our guinea pig, Batman. Shall we begin? Grodd presses the remote control device. The biological brake is activated, and a bolt of shimmering energy seems to flash through Batman's body. A moment later, the plexiglass booth is raised, and its prisoner staggers out. Something wrong, Batman? You look a bit under the weather. Why don't you say something? Anything. What's happening to me? Very simple, Batman. You have become a living example of slow motion. You now walk, talk, react, even think ten times slower than a normal man. The world's greatest detective has been rendered totally useless. Now let's see how good you are at defending yourself. Don't do that. Stop it, Grodd. You're tossing him around like he was a rag doll. Please stop, you'll kill him. Hardly. Batman does not deserve such an easy death. I am through toying with him for now. What I have in mind for his demise will be far more excruciating. At once, John and Mary rush to the fallen Cape Crusader's side, only to discover... Oh, no! It can't be! Oh! He's dead, Grodd. I hope you're satisfied now. Get away from there. Does Batman think he can fool me as easily as a human? The grieving takes back away as an angry Grodd kneels beside Batman's limp body, placing the remote control device on the floor of the booth. It's a trick. Batman should have recovered by now. The slowdown effect is temporary. Grodd places his massive head over Batman's chest, listening, listening for a heartbeat that isn't there. But he doesn't notice Batman's hand moving slowly, slowly toward the remote control device. His fingers find the activator button. They push it. And Grodd is immersed in a bolt of shimmering energy this time, while the masked manhunter unexpectedly springs to his feet in time to avoid the pulsating beam. Batman, 
You're alive. I knew he couldn't be dead. I just knew it. And now, Grodd, let's see how you like a dose of your own slow medicine. It's not so easy, Batman. Oh, my gosh. Grodd has grabbed Batman. Surprise, Batman. You forget. I'm a super gorilla. The biological break takes a lot longer to affect me. Long enough for me to crush the life out of you first. Desperately, every muscle in his superbly conditioned body being ripped apart in tortured agony, Batman tries to pry himself loose from the bone-crushing grip of the killer gorilla. That's it, Batman. Keep fighting it. The more you resist, the tighter my grip becomes. Until I finish squeezing the very Biological break finally took effect. Grodd's not even moving. But neither is Batman. Is he? And then a weak but reassuring voice puts the Tate's fears to rest. Uh, I'll be all right. As soon as I slip through Grodd's arms, his reactions are too slow to stop me now. And as an exhausted but breathing Batman extricates himself from what almost became a horrible crushing death. How in the world did you fool Grodd, Batman? When he listened for your heartbeat... He couldn't hear it, because I was practicing an extremely difficult form of yoga that allowed a full minute between heartbeats. Incredible. But what do we do now, Batman? Grodd's gorilla henchmen are all around us. They're harmless without their leader. It was brainwaves from Grodd's super mind that was dominating the other apes, forcing them to obey his commands. Normally, the citizens of Gorilla City are among the friendliest on Earth but you'll soon see that for yourselves. And true to Batman's words, the super-advanced gorillas show John and Mary Tate nothing but the finest VIP treatment. Thank you for returning our daughter to us so promptly, Solovar. Yes, you and the other gorillas have truly been splendid hosts these past few days. It's the least we could do, Mr. Tate, after what Grodd put your family through. But now that he's in our maximum security pen, Grodd won't be menacing the human race for many years to come. There you are, Batman. Does the jet craft we furnished meet your approval? Indeed it does, Solovar. And it's fueled and ready to go. Your daughter is already on board waiting to take off, Mr. Tate. Uh, very well, then. It, it's time to say our farewells. Moments later, a gorilla jet craft soars into the jungle sky as Batman pilots the Tate family home, leaving the invisible gorilla city behind them once again, hidden forever in the wilds of darkest Africa. Our final story has Batman trying to solve a mystery in England. This story is called Mystery of the Scarecrow Corpse. I'll be back for a final word after this story.
microscope is one of the most valuable tools the modern crime fighter has in his arsenal of We are at the Sussex campus of Oxford University in England where the Batman is addressing a group of British criminologists. We join the lecture already in progress. Along with a sound education and basic chemical analysis. One never knows when a clue in the form of a soil sample or a cloth stain is staring the unwary detective in the face. I'm most impressed in the growth I've seen in this area, this side of the Atlantic. I am therefore most honored to be here. Uh, yes, Mr. Peter, what is it? There's a call for you, Batman. It came during your talk from a gentleman at Scotland Yard. Make my excuses, Mr. Pico. This sounds important. Ladies and gentlemen, our distinguished guest from the United States will take no questions this afternoon. He has just been called upon to... This is the Batman speaking. Oh, my, yes, Batman. I say, this is Inspector Oswald of Scotland Yard. You seem to have happened upon a rather grisly incident, and I thought, since you were in such proximity... You have my help. The story, please, Inspector. Uh, yes, quite. Uh, well, it seems that several villagers in Cadbury reported a shining object fell into the moors five days ago. Uh, we assumed it was a shooting star or some such, but we sent an investigator there anyhow. Uh, Higgins was the chap's name. And he found? Uh, Higgins? Well, we don't know what he found. We found Higgins. Dead, actually. Propped on a wooden stand and dressed like a scarecrow. A routine case, of course. Nothing routine about murder, Inspector. It's quiet. Anyhow, we dispatched another investigator there this morning. If you could join him... Thanks, Inspector, but I work alone. I'll get over there myself. Hello. The blighter seems to have disengaged the line. Hello. I'm certainly not going to be there for a long time. Aye, and I'll lock you and thank you again for longer. Who be you, stranger? You're dressed as you're looking for work about the fields. But Cadbury's is sure in a way the wrong village for you to be looking in these times. I'm not looking for work, uh, but I may be looking to join you in a game of darts. You won't be wanting to put any money on the game, would you, mate? Good Friday. eh? Not a body in these parts can beat me on the board. Have a brew on me. I don't drink or take chances. Uh, tell me, mate, uh, have you been out in the moors lately? The moors? First time you missed the bullseye for Charles, Billy. Not a body I know been out there since that Higgins broke. How far shot, Billy? There's demons from space there, for sure. That's what folks round here all say. You scored 200 on that round, Billy boy. Thanks for the company. I think I'll take a walk. Old friend, are you going to throw your darts? The darts? Oh, yes, just a... Oh, one at a time, mate. Don't throw them all I'm in kind of a rush. Six bullseyes in one throw. I've never seen such a shot like that in all the day. Where you was, that man? And where, where the deuce did he go? The disguised Batman has slipped outside the pub, where he is startled by a rich, dark voice. The eminent Batman, I presume. Who? How on earth did you sneak up behind... Well, at least do me the courtesy of allowing me to remove my disguise before you recognize me. A thousand me. pardons, good Batman. Of course, you realize that to a trained eye, the coordination of a superbly trained athlete is evident no matter how you disguise your walk. And your skin tone is much too deep for a native of overcast England this time of year. Obviously. And you, of course, are... Inspector Derek Holmes at your service. Derek Holmes... Not a relation of the legendary detective Sherlock Holmes, are you? That would be too much to hope for, dear Batman. But don't think I avoid a good deal of ribbing for my name. 
Here's a secluded spot for you to remove your disguise, if you like. The masked manhunter and his new companion fade into the mists of the swamp as night signals its coming. Now, Inspector Holmes, uh, I have a case to solve, so... Nonsense, Batman. We have been thrown together with regard to this matter. We would obviously profit by working as a team. Holmes, look out, that wagon! What you not see? Effective. Most effective. We caught them against impenetrable underground. They could in no way have escaped contact with the wagon. We should leave before they are discovered. Hmm. That was a close one. Our presence seems to have made someone nervous. Did you get a good look at them, Holmes? Decidedly, Batman. Their accents betray their point of national origin, among other things. But whatever was that delightful capsule that saved us both? Uh, this one? It's an airbag. The type used as an instant cushion in crashing planes and cars. Inflates on impact. Hmm. Perhaps I should get a utility belt of my own. I assume you noticed the boots on our two friends. Yes. A certain kind of shale on their shoes with a texture I don't see on the ground around here. It's a green clay, actually, called lime rock. The nearest point it can be found is in the area where the unidentified object was sighted. Interesting. Shall we be off? Night on the moors in a fog-shrouded glen provides adequate cover for two men combing the swamps for a valuable piece of equipment. If you rake through this mud and muck one foot at a time, it may as well be a continent. Patience. As long as the villagers fear to come here, we are the only ones likely to find... What was that? Something metallic? Yes. Help me unearth this. Another rock. Yes, it's the payload from our crashed satellite. They have found it. Eureka! Hold. Quiet. Who is that coming? Only me. I found this one snooping in the area. The British inspector. The one we thought we eliminated. No matter, for we shall soon be back in the motherland with our prize. Where is your friend, dog? The one with the costume. Dead, poor devil. He sheltered me from the crash. I see you have succeeded in your scheme. Scheme? How could you know of any scheme? Elementary, my dear abductors. The UFO reports of a week ago were the result of one of your country's satellites malfunctioning and crashing into this bog. A surveillance satellite, no doubt, with aerial photographs of the military installations of the North Atlantic countries. When poor Inspector Higgins stumbled across you several days ago, you constructed that bizarre scarecrow murder to horrify the townspeople and discourage any further interference while you sought out your lost equipment. Observant, my friend. But have you also determined there is a glimmer of a chance you might avoid being propped up in a scarecrow outfit yourself? If you would permit me a moment to light my pipe, it might become clearer to you. Look, when he lit his match, I saw it. The shadow. What is wrong with you? What did you see? The scarecrow. The policeman we put into scarecrow clothes. He's come back. Where? A gunshot in its direction will quiet your... Quite bad manners, my good man. Aiming a gun for the guest. Uh, where did you kick my gun? I'll get you for... You'll get no one ever again. The scarecrow! Not quite a scarecrow slime, but if it's fear you crave, then someday think back to this moor when you took the life of a law officer or some petty national interest you thought more important than a life. 
and you'll remember a Batman striking with a vengeance into the souls of petty criminals and international outlaws alike. That's when you'll know that today you looked into the face of fear. The darkness falls away to morning as a lone masked manhunter, the world's greatest detective, delivers three agents of a foreign power to Scotland Yard. This remarkable showing you made, Batman. You deserve your reputation. I'm only sorry you had to go it alone on that moor. You mean bringing them in? I wondered where Holmes disappeared to, but I assumed he could take care of himself after the hard work was over. Holmes? I don't know whatever you could be talking about, old chap. My investigator had a car accident on the way to Cadbury. Nothing serious. The hospital should release him any day. Now, what about this Holmes fellow who disappeared? Holmes? Inspector Derek Holmes. Uh, don't play games, Oswald. Frankly, I didn't believe that was his name, but... Oh, you daft man. I tell you, I sent no one. Oh, I get it. It's this odd American sense of humor I've never quite understood. Sense of humor? Yes, Holmes indeed. World's greatest detective and all. I suppose if I were the ghost of Sherlock Holmes, I would want to crack at working with my only living equal. Ghost of Sherlock Holmes? Oh, you Americans. Quite a sense of humor. I must be getting on. Cheerio, old chap. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We appreciate you stopping by and listening in with us here on the couch. And we hope you'll continue to do so. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out some of the other episodes we have to offer, as well as new episodes, which are uploaded every Monday and Wednesday. We are listener supported, as we have always been, by you, the listeners. We thank you one and all for your support. Next week, we begin our um, Marvel superheroes. Uh, primarily, it will be the Incredible Hulk and the Amazing Spider-Man. Sometime after that, we will start to get into our sci-fi as we start to veer towards the sci-fi month of May and uh, various other things. We hope you'll tune in. This has been Couch and Coffee Table. Until next time, be good to yourself.